Hello and welcome back to the Littlest Petcast. I'm your host James and today we are doing a bonus episode and I know it's been a little while but I guess better late than never. So today we're just doing our usual you know uh, retrospective of everything just putting everything into perspective now that everything in season four has been said and done. So, yeah, let's, uh, before we get into the specific episodes, let's start out with, like, the obvious, like, the delays. And, yeah, like, 2020 has not been an easy year on anyone, I would imagine. So, as much as I would like to be there, you know, for you in these, uh, you know, with these podcast episodes, I have to be there for me too. So that, that's why episodes have been delayed constantly for the most part. It's, it's really hard. And, you know, it's not that I don't love doing it. I do love doing it. It's just finding the time is hard and I also get like worked up about it sometimes you know like sometimes I just need to like process everything I need to get a good opportunity to get get it going and I mean I found it now but sometimes it can be hard to find that moment especially if you're like always thinking the moment's not right enough ever so let's um yeah i hope that made sense it makes sense to me but uh if you don't get it just understand i have some personal hang-ups that make it a little harder for me to keep things consistent i should have said that from the beginning but either way uh the the show itself uh Season four has, uh, I don't know, it's neck and neck for me between this and season three on what the, like, best season of the show is. Like, they're both really good, and season four, I can give some extra, like, points to, for, you know, getting things going on on a plot, even though it, it doesn't necessarily tie up any anything for the most part it it's trying you can see it's trying and i can give it points for that and there are like a lot of really good episodes in season four but it it also does have my least favorite episode in the series and i don't know it kind of just like putters out at the end of it where season three I think was stronger for longer but it's not to say that it's like bad aside from the one bad episode (laughs) but it really is just like you know a personal preference on whether or not like three is better than four or four is better than three it just it just comes down to what you like and what you want out of Littlest Pet Shop. Because, like, season three, 
in season four are both both great and it just comes down to the little things uh, man um i don't know it's this is gonna be a little little tricky since it's been over a year since i've like started doing season four so it, it might be a bit fuzzy but i don't know i'm glad i did it I, I re I'm really glad I did it, because, like, I mean, I was, like, just one season away, and, I, like, even though, like, updates kept, like, being delayed for this reason or that reason or anything, like, I just wanted to, like, get it done, because, like, not, I mean, I do want to do this. It's not, like... Uh, I should, but no, I want to, even though it's hard. It's, oh boy, this might not be the best way this could be going, but I think it's, it's all right. So anyway, like, Th this show in general is is very weird and interesting to talk about and i like like wrapping it up and one thing season 4 like gave me was like a good chance to like talk about everything more cuz like i i i was like presenting this podcast like in in a way where like, if if you were going into this show blind, I didn't want to spoil anything for you. I, if you were watching along while listening to the show, which I'm sorry about the delays there, like, I didn't want to say anything that would, you know tip the scales on what's uh what's coming up for the most part i maybe one or two things got through i know in some of the bonus content it got through but like yeah as season four continued it allowed me to just uh like refer to the show as a whole because there wasn't a lot going forward that I needed to watch out for, so I could take the time to compare, contrast, and just, you know, get to the nitty-gritty of why things are the way they are. And, yeah, I, I had thought about just get, going through the entire series again with all that knowledge, like, like a LPS... Uh, Gaiden kind of thing where like I could apply the knowledge I've learned but I don't think I'll be doing that just because it's uh, it's been a, like a hassle to just go through it like as is without without all of that and with that because like I'd say about 75% of the content would remain the same. It's just, you know, different insights and, 
Now, even if it's not presented in the same way, I'd probably come across like the same points or same ideals. Or maybe not. I could add a few things new to the mix. Just uh, just on the basis of, you know, it's been so long. But, eh, it's, um, it is what it is. I'm not going to do a little less pet cast guide and to just, uh, you know, expand everything. I think everything that needed to be said has been said. And if it hadn't, I don't know how important it was anyway. So I think that's about it. So uh, let's get started with some of these episodes. And obviously we'll start at the tortoise and the air. Now, this episode... Is it it really does just come out swinging. It like establishes a new direction for the show that like I don't think the show had actually seen since like the beginning. Like the the first three seasons, even some of the more like advanced episodes, like still had like a slice of life feel to it. And season four still has that. But I think with this, we're getting a a little more of something of a plot where it's not like, it's not like a gravity falls plot or like an MLP plot, even where like it deals with the end of the world or, you know, someone trying to take over or you know something where the stakes are high but i think there's enough intrigue where even though the stakes are sort of low i don't know because like hmm it's all about like blythe and her mom and figuring out the connection to the animals and what what's going to happen after a while and how things you know change like it's like fairly decent life stuff with like the added benefit of my mom could also talk to pets and like i think you really could do a lot with that. And they try. And this episode is really good at hitting that ground running. Because we have Speedy, who is who's great. I love Speedy. And we also have, uh, like, you know, that, like, side story about the pets thinking Blythe isn't going to talk to them anymore. And it it is just, uh, you know, it's delightful because it... Uh, well, not the, not that Blythe not talking to the pets anymore is delightful, but, like, the idea of, like, you know, Blythe struggling and worrying about her future leading back to that, it's a delightful little, like, coincidence of things, you know? (laughs) 
Oh boy, I'm still trying to get my podcast legs in, but, you know, I also feel like a lot of the episodes have been a bit rambly and nonsensical, so let's uh, let's keep it going. Like, I, w- I will say, like, this, this episode's just really good, though. It's really good because, like, it points us in a new direction while still staying true to, like, the original sense the show has. It's not like, like, season four is some, like, hard barrier between, you know, what the show was and what the show is now. It still feels like the same show overall. But... Uh, like th- it's just it's just changed, and and that kind of like theme, like runs through the episode. It's just it's Blaith wondering what changes can occur or will occur, and how to deal with them, and it's really really interesting to watch, and especially with the whole like journal thing. Like, that's that's mainly why I say Gravity Falls, because, like, Gravity Falls also has, like, Journal 3. This is Blythe's mom's journal. So that that's kind of, like, that vibe I'm getting. That's my vibe check. Could be wrong. But, like, even so, like... Like, figuring this out and... You know gaining a new connection to your mom that you might not otherwise have is really, really good. And they do it really well. Like, like Speedy, like, aside from being, like, genuinely great, also, like, provides that contact. Because, like, Speedy's, like, still there, and he also has the journal... And he gives it to Blythe. It's just... It's just all around a really good episode. And it really does... Set the tone going forward. Which I think all good season openers should do. Or all first episodes of anything should do. Which, I mean... To be fair, the first episode of this show did quite well. It's just... They're they're changing it up. They're They're doing something... Something a little new, you know? But either way, I think that's enough about this sh- this episode. It's it's just a really good episode. So now we move on to uh pitch perfect. Uh pitch perfect uh it's it's also a pretty good episode and it, it still keeps the momentum from the first episode even though i'd say it's a lesser episode than the than tortoise in the air but it's still really good and really entertaining to watch and even though it does have more of a pet focus than like you know the, the Blythe story and what's going on with Mrs. Twombly like I still think that, like, pet stories are, like, worth telling if they're 
good stories. And this is a really good story. Like, it's explained well enough. And it's a it's a nice little, like, break from, you know, ju- just being in the shop all the time. Which kind of uh, something I harped on, you know, in the episode proper. But, like, yeah, it, it does, like, signify a deeper change in the pet stories as well. Where, like... Like, from this point onward, a lot less of them feel feel shoehorned in. Some of them still do, don't get me wrong. But, like, it, it does keep the momentum going. And it also introduces the concept of the Littlest Pet Street, which is the second, like, big shot that they're lining up to take in this. Whether, like... We know in the end it it kind of misses, but I still like the fact that they they're they aimed their sights like there it's it's better than nothing I'd say it's an attempt an attempt has been made, and yeah. Also, I did forget to mention in uh, Tortoise in the Air. Go, go watch Raycan. Raycan. I for, I forgot, even though Marsha explained it to me. But either way, it's it's a good show. It's a good show. Watch it. Anyway, so uh, episode three, Ivan the Terrific. Uh, Ivan the Terrific is a bit of a weird one. But I think it's a nice, you know, sort of return to form, kind of. Like a good, you know, we're still the same show you love kind of episode. It, it's fun, delightful, and weird at times. It's, it is weird. The, 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 the circus bear and the... And Mr. Gum- Clive Gimble, Gumble, Clive. Looking at my notes now, I don't, I don't see a last name yet. Uh, Clive Gimble, something. So, shoot. Clive, Clive Gimble. Okay, it is Gimble. I knew it was like Gimble or Gumble or something like that. He's just a weird, weird man. And like the circus bear, it's it's just fun watching them try to hide a circus bear. And it's also fun seeing Mrs. Twombly and Blythe write off the fact that there's a bear there. <laughs> As, like, a thing the other one did. It's nice. It's so good. I love, like... This This episode has a sense for what this show is. It's, it's really just fun and crazy. And, uh... And it, it's, it's just really... It's really good. 
Although I will say I do kind of like the dark story I gave Clive Gimble. Oh boy. But like even without that, it's still it's still just fun and entertaining. And seeing Blythe helping young me to maybe find a pet is also like really good. It's just nice wholesome content even even if like they end on like nothing it's just it's just fun you know it's a nice little like see what we can do now that like you know something's changed now that the floodgate has opened on like young me knowing that Blythe can speak to animals while still retaining the like you know fun nature of the show because it's still like fun and like wacky and wonderful and it's 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 just nice all around now the next episode senior day Ooh, senior day is a lot to unpack because like even though I don't know let's let's start with let's start with Jerry cuz like I kind of went on a whole thing about my personal experience with my dad and I think this episode nails that bit of complexity sort of not nails it. It it gets down to it. It explains it well enough. I just don't know if it takes the right directions of it. But at the same time, it is a little... It can be a little realistic in the sense where, like... Yeah, like... Jerry has some toxic behaviors and it can be hard for people in those situations to to express that in in a calm manner to someone that they care about it, it it is it is it is something that just in and of itself is uh it's it's just hard to like do 100% correctly both in fiction and in real life and the fact that it's hard to do it in real life makes it hard for people to do it in fiction because like <clears throat> I don't know because cause dealing dealing with someone who isn't like a hundred percent toxic who's just like somewhat toxic it, it's it makes it hard you know it is it is not easy when 
when you do care about them. And, like, I don't think my dad or Jerry is, like, the worst. But it it can be hard to, like, you know, take, take stuff from them. Uh, it's... It's not easy. But I think this episode does a well enough job, like, addressing that point and, you know, making it clear on, like, what this looks like. It, uh... It does seem to, like, miss a few things, I think. But I think it's, like, again, it's better than nothing. I I will say that. Better than nothing. I think, I think uh, that's going to be the running motto for, you know, this episode. Maybe even this whole show is that it's better than nothing. And speaking of better, this is where the Biscuit Redemption arc fully kicks off. Where, like, Blythe takes care of uh, Lorraine, who is Whitney and Brittany's grandmother. And their reluctance to get along in those uh, meetings and the, like, meeting afterward. Like, you start to see the Biscuits on a new level in those instances. There's a, there's a new layer. There's, there's something else there besides, you know, being mean. Which, like, for most of the other three seasons, they are just mean for the most part. There are like a few glimpses that they're not totally mean, but a lot of the time they just are. And this is like the first real time where we see concrete evidence of them not being mean for mean's sake. Even if it is just like a little bit where like you know they're sort of pretending to be nicer than they are for the sake of their grandma and you know like even outside of that at the meeting at the end like they're a lot more civil than they normally are and it really goes this episode is just really strong it is just really, really strong. So, yeah. So then, now we go over to the next episode, The Littlest Pet Shop of Horrors. Again, this is just a fun little episode. It's essentially a treehouse of horror with with a little bit of a plot. Like, sort of. Okay, so, like, the A story is just a little 
uh, Treehouse of Horrors on the Littlest Pet Shop. Which, like, they do a good job at. It's really, really fun to see, like, Littlest Pet Shop, like, twist stories, like, into the into their viewpoint. Like, I mean, I like seeing that in any show. Like, like a, a classic story, but through the lens of this thing. It's it's a good good recipe for a fun time, you know, like a murder mystery but Futurama or, you know, stuff like that. And I will say, misery is still a weird choice to base and base a story on for for this audience. It's weird. It's just weird. And they also kind of turn it into King of Comedy. <laughs> like, I mean, I haven't actually seen King of Comedy, but uh, for reason we'll get to a little bit later, I know what it is. And, like, yeah, it's, instead of, like, a writer and stuff, it's a comedy performer. And that just kind of makes it King of Comedy. Sort of. But it's still weird. Like, I mean, the vampire story, I mean, it's fine, but it does it does highlight how Russell, Russell isn't a perfect person either. But it's still fun. It's just, uh... Uh, but yeah, mis misery's a weird choice, and like the Frankenstein at the end, I think that's that's a lovely little like, you know, mi mixture of like the two things. Like it's not a weird enough, it's not too weird a reference to make. While also still being more concrete. Because, like, the vampire story is just a vampire story. I don't think it has anything, like, too specific to any particular vampire story. Mainly because they had to put in a song and dance number. But it is... It is nice. And then the B story of Roger being so jet-lagged. That he that he can't just go home without like freaking out about everything. Oh, that's it's such a good, good like <laughs> story. Oh boy, it's so like fun too. Like. I don't know, the way they do it is nice. And the way they balance, like, between the A story and the B story when, like, the A story should get a lot more of the focus. Like, I think they do it well enough. And, yeah, it does have the implication of, you know, Blythe sort of having a depressing Halloween. But they fix it up. They fix it up. And I like that. It's a, It's a nice little little thing so then the next episode game of groans
Okay, so here's the thing about this episode. It's good, but it suffers when you look at it analytically. It's a good just, like, turn your brain off and just let it ride episode. But when when you're focusing on it, when you look into it, you realize that, like, not a lot happens for, like, most of the episode. It's just them at a renaissance fair. And I, like, it's fun enough on its own. It's fun. But, like, it, it doesn't provide, like, much of a story until, like, halfway or two-thirds of the way in. So, yeah, it's it it's not good for looking deep into it, but it's but if you're not looking deep into it, it's fine. And when it gets to the story, like when it gets to actually having a story, the story is actually pretty well done. Like first with the pet stuff, it's it's really well done. Where there's an underground uh, network of, uh, you know, tofu turkey leg thieves for for a beaver king that they need to defeat. It's so, it's so weird, but so on point. Like, it, it, it has, like, the amount of gravitas you'd expect it to have, but also it is just a little weird. And it's fun! And then, the other story of, like, Blythe freaking out that Josh is at a Ren Fair as well, is like, oh crap, I can't let him see me like this. And just freaking out about that. And then, like, Young Me's like, yo, he's also here. And then once Blythe gets over that, Josh starts freaking out, but they both kind of get over that. And it just ends on a nice little note of them getting to know each other better and it's just so sweet you guys it's so sweet i'm i'm a sucker for romance and i like this kind of stuff (sighs) which is a big old big old transition to the next episode goodness gracious i do not like uh the next episode, which is, of course, the tiny animal store. It's... It's... It's not good. It's trying to be meta, but it's not good. I don't like it. It's not fun. Oh, okay, Par- parts of it are fun. There are some good moments in it. But overall, it's not good. It's it's just not... I don't like it. I don't... Uh, I don't know what I can say about this episode. That I don't... Okay, I know what I can say about this episode. But... I don't want to. Necessarily. Because 
I just I just want to leave it at it's the worst episode in the series. Like hands down bar none. It's It's just bad, okay? Uh, like aside from like a few snippets of humor that I enjoy uh, uh, it's like too meta for its own sake it's it's not good I don't like it uh However, I have since thought of a new lens to look at this through, and I do find that interesting. So let, let's talk about that lens for just for just a little second. You know, a new perspective on this terrible, terrible episode. So here's here's what I'm thinking, and again, this is going to be a shot aimed at Hasbro on this. I am thinking that maybe, like, this episode, okay, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure how production of this show goes, but here's what I'm thinking could maybe have happened. So, uh... They hear some rumblings that maybe the show is going to end after this fourth season. And they spent, like, the first few episodes of the season lining things up to tie up, you know, at a later point. And now they might not have that later point. So they're just gonna, you know, like... Get get in the jab at Hasbro's expense. Where like, okay, so my idea for what this episode might be is that this is the writers telling us this is what Hasbro wanted the show to be, and the writers and the staff at Little's Pet Shop was like, no, this is dumb. Here's what we have. And you hired us, so trust us to make a good show for this. And we'll listen to your input on a few things. But generally speaking, this is what we want to write. And then they relented. Hasbro relented. And now, uh, for one reason or another, maybe because the cancellation, maybe, maybe not. It could be some other reason. But they wanted to get back at Hasbro for something. So they decided, hey, here's what the show could have been. It's terrible, right? It's super terrible. Good thing we went in our own direction. And not Hasbro's direction. I think that's a like fun lens to look at this through. 
Where, I mean, it does give the writing team a little more credit than maybe they deserve. But at the same time, it, it is fun, I think. Just, just thinking that this is what, like, Hasbro wanted out of a Littlest Pet Shop show. And then... The, like, as opposed to what we got. Now, I will say, one of the things that does seem to disprove it is, like, the things that happen in the episode that, like, seem to be, like, a take that to people like me who think the show might be a bit out there at times. Which... I don't necessarily think is a criticism, per se, of the show. I think, like, the real criticism is that they don't own it as much as they should. So, the and this episode is just, like, saying, it's not that weird. Look at this stuff. But... I don't think it negates the weirdness of the other things or tells us that like we should or should not find certain things weird. It's just, I think it just needs to be more honest with itself is my thing with this episode and this show. And instead they just see it as like, Oh, this is, perfectly fine and normal and whatever and I don't I don't like that I don't so let's 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 uh, toss that episode aside for good oh thank goodness that's a that's a nice thing to do just move on to the next episode spend thrifty um so spend thrifty is a weird episode. It's not the best episode by any stretch of the imagination. But it's also just kind of weird. I don't know. It's... I'm less enthusiastic about this episode than most episodes of the show. But... It's... Something? I don't know. Uh, I mean, I like the idea of Blythe, you know, getting too shop happy. And it it can happen to anyone who isn't is unsure about things or just like it, it or pe- people who might not have the best time controlling their money. Or controlling their impulses. It's a it's a nice bit of commentary there. But also sweetest sweetsy is just weird. It's just weird as a as a concept. It's a nice little like goof at the end where it's what gets Blythe out of trouble. And there's a there's a nice little bit of like 
Biscuit Redemption arc in here, too. But overall, I don't know. It's it's not as bad as uh, Tiniest Animal Star. But I, I don't know. I just don't necessarily feel it. I don't know. It's fine. But I feel like it could be better in certain things. And Sweetest Sweetsie is just weird. Again, it's just weird. Yeah, I I don't really have a lot to say here. Aside from... Some of it's neat, some of it's weird, all of it's just okay. So now we're going on to uh Unvetted. Which you know, it's it's a good episode, I think. It's a fine enough episode. I don't again, I don't think it's like best in show. But it it is uh, you know, nice and fun. Like Zoe trying to get the attention of a handsome doctor dog. It's it's classic comedy. It's it's nice to see every once in a while. It's uh it's not it doesn't really bring anything new to the table, but it's still nice to have. It's it's like McDonald's fries. They're just they're not like, you know, new or bold or innovative, but it's still nice to just chow down on them every every so often, you know. And then I uh, like Blythe, Roger, and Russell, uh, like heading up to a mountain, and you know, trying to make it again, like McDonald's fries. It's not really new or innovative but it's still fun and you know it's nice to come back to every once in a while yeah it's just it is fun it like i like it especially like the two uh like the dual song thing they had going and like you know the 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 mountain goats at the end they're great i like them <laughs> especially when they're like walking like on the on the, the the ceiling of the cave is ceiling the right word a roof uh roof i don't know what is what is like the top of a cave called i guess it would be ceiling yeah, what is the etymology of ceiling? I'm gonna look that up. Etymology, cause like it's a Middle English that denotes the action of lining in the interior of a room with plaster or paneling from seal, which is a Latin word which turned into French word which uh, is yeah it's just like 
an interior of a room with, you know, plaster paneling. So I guess ceiling wouldn't be the right word, but I don't know what would be. Because, like, yeah. I don't, I don't, a natural ceiling, I guess, if we were to denote it. But either which way, it's, it is what it is. So, I guess that's all I have to say on this episode, too. I don't really have much. When I'm not excited one way or the other. It's just, it just is what it is. So, now we come down to uh, Pump Up the Panda, which... Thanks again for Ricky for coming on and assisting with cuz like that was that was a really fun episode to do and I really enjoyed doing it and if I were to like do like another podcast it would be with someone else uh on on the helm with me cuz like as much as I like doing this show alone and the, you know, benefits that that has, I really like the energy of having someone else there with me, you know? And he, and he really brought his A-game here. I really like it. And I really like this uh, episode. I was like, surprised like i chose this episode because i think it's a good encapsulation of what the show is and uh it did kind of surprise me to see how good the show is you know like i i didn't necessarily like it as much as i did when i uh first watched it uh, I meant I meant back. I have that backwards. I I didn't like it the f- as much as the first time I watched. You know what I mean. But I I will say like this episode just it it's it's high on weirdness, but it's the right kind of weirdness. It's the weirdness that I can get into. You know, it grooves well with itself, and. I th- I think that like <laughs> the the fact of the matter is that it is just a really fun, really nice episode where, you know, like it it has like a good moral to it and it has a good sense of what it is and what it wants to me, but it also just gets weird. <laughs> like with the uh you know guy photoshopping animals <laughs> to make them more appealing. <laughs> That's just a little a little weird. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. It like the Pen- Penny's story about you know, you know trying to get into shape, 
is nice too, even though it doesn't necessarily have some of the best stuff to do when you're trying to do that. But I don't know. I think this is just a really good episode and it, it does encapsulate this show really nicely. It's good, but weird, but fun as random musical elements. Like, I think the only thing it's missing is like a weird pop culture reference for whatever reason. Like, that's the only thing this episode's missing. But other than that, I think it encapsulates what this show is perfectly. And it does it really well. And, yeah, I think I think that's all I have to say about that. So, ooh, Snipmates. Next up is Snipmates. Oh boy. Snipmates is just really good. I uh, it's okay, it's weird cuz it it does trip at the finish line a little bit. Like if there was like 10 more minutes or even 5 more minutes, we could get everything this episode like wanted to do. I think. Because, like, here's the thing. This episode, for the most part, shows us how far Blythe has come as a character. Where, like, in the beginning, uh, like, she just designs for fun for herself, doesn't necessarily share that with anyone. In the beginning, she is camera shy as all hack. In the beginning, she is hesitant about, you know, conflict. In the beginning, all of her friends and all of her enemies are obvious. But now, this episode puts that in a spin. She's working, like, with and for a fashion mogul who you know what I'm I'm going to say it I did not I'm not a fashion person I did not realize that Mona Autumn was uh was was an intended parody of Anna Wintour I did not realize that until Hearing that name in in an episode of Flashback Flicks when they were doing Devil Wears Prada, which is also how I knew about uh, King of Comedy. <laughs> so th- th- thank you, Ricky, for for doing for doing that for for teaching me about all of this. Who boy! But anyways, like she she's also like doing pet stuff professionally. And she's starting to break into people fashion, maybe? Especially with this. And also in this episode, the biscuits are a little more, you know, nicer to Blythe. Not nice-nice, but 
nicer and McKenna, her old roommate at uh, Fashion University North, turns on her, and it's just it just and she's on a TV show and it just it goes it goes. It's an episode that goes, cause like we we get like Blythe, you know, standing up for herself better. And Blythe, you know, even even though she gets help from the biscuits in the end, but still, you also get like, you know, Blythe Blythe working hard to like prove something to everyone, and then McKenna comes in and is like, "Oh, I'll take the easy way out," you know, and. Like, all of all of that is great. All of that is great. And then, like, at the end, it just kind of trips at the finish line. Where, like, Blythe winning and having a set accomplishment of, you know, having, you know, one of her designs in a prestigious clothing store is is just there and then it gets treated like a joke. It's a good joke. I will tell you that much. I like the joke at the end, but I don't think it's worth it for you know, seeing how far Blythe has come and thanking all of her friends for helping her get there. And, and yeah, I don't know, cause like, like oh, this episode's just so good for so long, and then it just just comes crashing like a little bit. Well, okay, the A plot, like the B plot, is also good. Like, do not get me wrong on that front. The B plot is good, and. It's it's a fun B-plot, and I would not want to sacrifice it entirely, but there are some things that could have been cut from it. And just, like, you could have made it shorter, and then you could have extended, you know, the ending where we might get a bit of redemption from McKenna, or at least an acknowledgement of McKenna breaking bad fully. Because, like, that, that's the thing. Like, McKenna is bad for the duration of the competition. But we don't know where she lies after that. And, like, a competition, like, runs, like, everyone's... uh you know, passion's high. So if you're not as strong of heart, you might resort to it. And then in some shows, you might learn a lesson about it and not do it again as much. Or in other shows, you might just use that as like a, as like a, like a, 
slides down into a deeper darkness. And we don't know what direction McKenna went. Like, obviously, I'm, I'm more of the person that wants to see McKenna return to the side of the angels. And, I don't know, maybe if we had another season, we could see, like, a, a slide and then a return. I don't know. Like, oh, this episode is just great, though. Like, I feel... I Again better than nothing and a lot better than nothing but there's a reason i said silver instead of gold in the title it is it is the silver standard of showing character development cuz like we get it we get it in spades until the end until the end like I just I just want a little bit more out of this episode. That's that's everything I wanted out of this episode. You know, it's it, it's it stinks to end it on that kind of sour note, especially since it's really good, but it kind it it kind of is. That's just that's just what it is. So the next episode, guilt tripping, which I spent a lot of time comparing to Knives Out, because Knives Out was like still kind of fresh in my mind at the time, and. It sort of reminded me of it. And I even said, maybe I should cool it and not mention Knives Out. But <laughs> at the at the same time, like, it came to a point where I felt like I had to. And it was the point where, like, young me and Sue were like, it's better if you don't say anything, you know? If you just keep quiet, things will all work out in your favor. (laughs) And, like, Blythe is like, I don't know about this. This is really messed up. Uh, man... Like, the the whole story of, like, you know, Blythe accidentally getting the biscuits in trouble and dealing with that is really interesting. And then the, the pet story is also pretty interesting. But I did mention that this does seem season 1E in, in terms of its tone. Because, like, it does feel earlier then it is because like I don't know it is it is it is hard to think that like 
at the point where this episode is, some of this stuff is happening. And I know we kind of get into it, into this subject in a later episode. So let's let let's let's point out the difference I think there is right now. So I think seeing red was definitely written like contemporary to other season 1 episodes. And that like their rush to, you know, put it in season 4. Like you can see some of the season 1ness in that despite how they like try to make it season four like this i think someone just made a mistake i think guilt tripping was written uh contemporaneously with uh other season four episodes and whoever it was just kind of dropped the ball i mean we all do that from time to time we we, we don't always bring our a game on the job and it's not really anyone's fault on that. It's just how it happens sometimes. And I think this is just, like, incidental that it feels season one. Where, like, I think the thing is, like, whoever wrote this didn't quite understand the tone shift they were going for in season four. And that does make sense, because, like... Season four is when the tone shift hard began. Like, it, you can see it, it changing a little bit in uh, seasons two and three, which, like, everything does. It's that kind of change, but, like, season four, like, it's a harder change from, like, the rest of the seasons. Like, it's still the same show overall, and maybe they just didn't quite understand that. Like, the transition... Because, like I said, it's not its not a hard wall. These aren't two different shows, where it's seasons one through three here and season four there. But it is, how you say, like, noticeable, at least. It's not... It's like all those different... Um, uh, boroughs in London, which I recently learned about, having like different, you know, uh, different different signage, different like bins, like like different things, just because of like the game plan and the goal. There, I guess it's London's weird, just uh, but it's fun. It's fun. You should look up Unfinished London. It's a it's a really nice treat. If you will, it's it's great. You'll you love it. If if you love listening to me ramble on about nonsense that doesn't pertain to anything, you'll love this because it does pertain to what it is mostly with some, with some random humor, but like it's all it all makes sense. It's not it's not like what I'm doing now, but you'll love it anyways. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I don't know, that's that's just kind of what I do. And, yeah, like I said, not all of us bring our A-game all the time. And, like, this is, this is that. And I think this is fine enough, like, C-game, as is as an episode, where, like, it's fun enough. Well, 
fun in the sense of it's enjo- it's it's about like being guilty about feeling guilty so fun might not be the best word here but like e- even though it's not like one of the best episodes in the series and it does feel like you know like it's not where it's supposed to be like i'd say this is a pretty good episode like overall uh it 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 is just kind of like interesting to see you know this this kind of like pressure game especially especially from like a kids show where like it makes sense of why these characters would be feeling pressurized not like in well sort of like knives out where like marta is like really like worried about everything like throughout that it's like that but for kids you know it's kind of like that i guess that kind of invites the comparison a little bit because like i i guess spoilers again for knives out like the the whole thing about knives out is it's just it's just someone like feeling the pressure of like something it's not necessarily like it's it's intense for like a a different reason it's oh it's just it's good watch knives out i guess unless you're not old enough to uh like i think knives out is rated r oh wait it's rated pg-13 actually huh I I was I'm a little surprised that I was out of PG thirteen. So, but yeah, I guess if you're like thirteen or older, watch Knives Out. I guess that's all I have to say on that episode. Boy, that was uh, weird, but not as weird. No, no, not as weird as Pet Napped. Pet Napped is amazing. I love it. I I love it. <laughs> It's oh so insane. It is so ridiculous, but I love it. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> like this is just so I don't know like what what is the uh, I did um <laughs> Uh, I I am I am I am stumbled on this. I am stumbling on this. It's it is so like it it just I want to know how and why this episode came together the way it did cuz it it's so so weird. And like everything, I th- like there. There has there, there's like I'm sure there are checks and balances here. How did this get past all of them? Oh, uh, I mean, I'm glad it did, obviously, but it's so so. Ah, oh boy. Oh boy, like. 
Uh, I I I love this episode to pieces because of just how weird and insane it gets. Just like the 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 the, the like the like the kidnapping plot of the dog and them stealing from like a dead billionaire who's giving everything away in his will. And, and like, like the B plot as well, where like they have to reenact the finale to Russell's favorite show, but they didn't do it right, so now they just like make everything up and just like make it weird and interesting, and it's so, so good. It is so good, but. It just, I don't know how this episode got made is the thing. Like, everything about it is just like something new in the world of insanity. <laughs> ah, man. Oh, man. I have talked about this episode for like how long is that? Is that? Um, I'm checking now. Really? Only 36 minutes? Oh, maybe I was just, like, riding that high. I guess that makes sense. I called it that. <laughs> and, like, seeing as how I'm, like, tripping over myself trying to describe it now, that also makes sense. Because, like... This episode, I think, I think this episode just needs to be studied. Like, what what does this episode do? That like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It has a certain je ne sais quoi to it all that I adore immensely, and. Everything else, just like it, it comes together really well. It's still competently written, is the thing. It's it's like it it's one of the like more insane episodes of the series. But it it like the structure does not get lost in the insanity, and. I love that about this episode. Oh boy. Oh boy. Um I think I'm going to tap out there cuz like I don't know what else to say. It's just It's just so bizarre. But it's wonderfully bizarre. Like I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what else to say. It's, uh... It is what it is, which is good. And weird. Uh, so yeah, now we're moving on to the next episode, Steamed. Steamed is also a bit odd, but it's not as odd, I will say. Like, this is definitely the come down from the you know, high of last episode. But, like, it's still it's still weird in, like, many intricate ways. 
like, let, let's be real. Like, first off, the secret biscuit mom <laughs> for like three and a half seasons. Just no mere mention. And then, <laughs> and then she comes in and she just basically steals the spotlight. And they acknowledge that is like one of my favorite things. Like, mmm. And then like, you know, the whole like coffee, opening up a coffee shop ordeal. And, oh, Madison, Madison's in this episode. I forgot. Oh, but that's why I have my notes. I have my notes for that. But like, it's so interesting, I will say. Yeah, th this episode's like really good. It's not as good as the last episode, but it's still good. Like, I don't know, the f like fuzzy knocking over cans and stuff. Like, all of that just—it—it's all delightful. And then <laughs> Sugar Sprinkles singing a song that makes Pepper sleep release a scent of coffee. It's—it's it's so good on its own. Like, it is just interesting, like, this episode. Because, like, it's an inch closer to the season's end game, which is the littlest pet street. And it also, uh, like, introduces a new character kind of late in the game. But they make it worthwhile, you know? Like, they, they don't... There, there's no half-step to this. She, like, Eliza Biscuit just comes in swinging, where we we see her as this, like, cheery, like, you know, seemingly nice person, and then she does one of the most heinous things I can think of, like, th like, well, one of the most reasonably heinous, like, one of the most reasonably heinous things, like, Average heinous. You know, not like... Obviously, there are a lot more heinous people out there. But, like, this is, like, your normal, typical, everyday heinousness. Rather than your, like, super villain heinous that just threatens to destroy the world or something. You know what I mean? She just comes in there and says, apply for jobs... And they'll give you a job and then just, you know, turn down that job. It's bizarre to see that kind of thing, you know? It, like, this whole episode, like, it's good. I will say that. It's good. But there are a few things that, you know... I think I'm actually done here because there's not really too much to say about this episode after all of that. So then we move on to Two Peas in a Podcast, an episode about podcasting. And honestly, I I fairly enjoy it. It's it's interesting for sure. Uh 
Oh, yeah. Oh, it's this episode. Sorry, I'm looking through my notes. Oh, and it's the it's the episode where uh, everyone thinks Penny Ling is moving. So they decide to do everything Penny Ling wanted to do as well. I ah, it's this episode. I didn't, I see, this is why I have no. So like, <laughs> yeah, man, like, okay. Yeah. Now that, that puts this episode in a different kind of light. Cause like, this is one of those times where like, even though like the pets don't really go anywhere, it's it's really interesting to see the pet story. Like, I guess that's a whole, like, problem with the show is that, like, you, you gotta keep the pet's stories interesting in some capacity. And, like, if they're not intertwined with the other story, if, if they aren't the A story, uh... Well, even sometimes when they are the A story, I think maybe it's it, it, like when they aren't like the A story, you got to keep it up. Or if like there's only one story and everything's intertwined, you have to keep up the interest. And I think they do that really well in this episode with like them think with them thinking uh Penny's going to move away and they won't see each other as much anymore. It's such a... Like... It's a classic premise for sure. But like... They do it so good in this. And like the whole like... Biscuit story as well where like... They probably would have just given up on this if they weren't promised more money. Which they didn't get in the end. Which is kind of funny, I'll admit. Rich people getting their comeuppance is always a laugh for riot to me. <laughs> and and yeah, I do go on a bit of a tangent on how uh, this show in general seems to just hate rich people. But yeah, like th- this episode just is really good, you know. I mean, it's not the greatest. But it's perfectly serviceable. I like the dynamic between the Biscuits and Blythe and their podcasts. And I like, uh, you know, the Penny Ling plot a lot. But, yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's it for this episode. Because, like... It it is it is just what it is. It's it's everything you see there is what it is. It's it's not complicated in any sort of way, but it's still good. So now we move on to Go Figure, which <laughs> Go Figure um hmm. I mean, yeah, I guess I will say a lot of these episodes are just kind of good is the thing but like it is uh it is good i don't know what else really there is to say that like that 
does sum it up pretty nicely, but you know, we're we're wrapping this up. We're giving each episode another bit of time in the sun, so let's see what we can uh, discern from this episode while we have it in front of us. So, I like the idea of like Blythe selling her wares at a convention. That's a that's a good idea, especially like for cosplay. I'm sorry, I'm getting I'm getting the conversation we had in uh, the name game in our head when talking about this, but in in the context of the show, I do like this idea. And I mean, I guess I also did talk about how Blythe should get a business manager to help her with business decisions. Although that might plant her more in the business world than she might want or need to be at this point in time. And granted, she is friends with one of the biggest names in fashion. But I don't know. I I don't think Mona... Mona obviously does not have time to be a business manager for Blythe. She could probably hire one, though. But, like, I don't know if Blythe would want that either. But, again, I do find the idea of Blythe uh, going to a convention to sell her wares is interesting. Although, I do wonder... Uh... I do wonder if she's, like, actually into all that stuff. The... What's the name of the... uh, It's Zap. Agents of Zap. There it is. I... I do wonder if she's into Agents of Zap, though. Or other things. I, I think she has to be. Like... Hmm... I don't know, that that does seem... It's it's a little weird that, like, Sunil and Vinny aren't as knowledgeable about this. Because, like, Russell had to explain that Vinny looks like an Agents of Zap character. Uh... I guess, like, I guess it's just one of those different strokes for different blokes kind of thing. And, like, even though the Agents of Zap stuff is the, like general theme it's not the entirety of the convention i don't know i i i am dissecting this episode a lot more than i thought i was going to i thought i was just gonna like trip on my own words and just stumble on like oh it's just good again but i gave it a chance and here we are And I didn't even bring up the B-plot of, like, Minka wanting to learn Zen from a grasshopper or a cricket. Oh, dear. I am gonna... I have my notes. Uh, Grasshopper. Yeah, yeah. I do have grasshopper in my notes, so I'm gonna go with grasshopper. I am gonna edit that all out. (laughs) But like, yeah, that that plot I do think is interesting as well. It's it's a nice little uh you know 
look into Minka's character where, like, it, it shows that she wants to, like, sort of improve and isn't given the opportunity until Russell steps in. It's it's a nice little story. Again, a bit bare bones. But, like, I don't I guess that's the thing with the show, is that a lot of it is, like, fairly bare bones but they do it so well it's it's like it's it's the like stuff that goes in it that makes it like worth talking about like it's not like the nest it's not the structure itself it's just what they do with it it's it's like it's like a it's like let's imagine that like TV shows are different foods. And, like, this one is a burger. And it's a good burger. I've I've already made this comparison once this episode with, uh, with McDonald's fries. But, like... No, that's a different comparison. I am... I don't know what I'm talking about. Well, okay, I know what I'm talking about. I just... It's it can be hard to like come up with stuff. Hmm. But like, yeah, it's it's like it's like the show is like a burger and that it is a burger at the end of the day, but you enjoy it for the little twists and seasonings and stuff they do with it. Yeah, that's that's basically what I was trying to say. This whole episode is pretty good. It's like the the structure is fairly basic, but I do like what they do with it and it's uh And that's uh that's that, I guess. So, the next episode is a doggy biscuit which Holy crapoli. This is an episode to unpack. Because they seem to imply that Eliza Biscuit is a good person through words, but through actions. Eliza Biscuit is terrible. She ignores her daughters because they're too complicated for her. And then when her dog becomes too complicated for her, she passes the buck to somebody else. And it's just so weird to see that and to have people see that, to have people say that she's a good person when she's not. It is so, I don't know, it is so out there in terms of like what what is going on. And not the good kind of out there, the like... I'm going to say the bad kind, because, like, the the face of evil is right in front of you, and you just don't see it. I see it, and I can point directly towards it. But, like, nobody else seems to notice this. And, like, hmm. Hmm. 
Like, Poppy, I like, the story is interesting. Don't get me wrong. But, like, Eliza Biscuit isn't a good person. And, and you know, let's, let's move on to the B-plot, because, like, there's not really a whole lot to say. Like, the A-plot, good, but a little messed up in how it just can't recognize Eliza Biscuit for what she is, which is, like, okay, so a lot of people talk about the deadly sin of sloth as, you know, just just being lazy, but... I think this is an encapsulation of that where like of like what sloth actually is because like she she is like when something gets too tough for her she moves on to something easier despite the fact that she might need to get tougher with it like raising kids instead she does everything in her power to satiate them otherwise like send them to shopping camp or let them go on their own when what they really need is a guiding hand and now she's passing like like uh um, but, but Poppy off on Blythe because she doesn't know what to do and she doesn't take the time to try and figure it out herself. Like, this is what Sloth actually is. Not just, like, sitting around or taking a nap because you need to relax, but, like, just being too lazy to do work when you know work needs to get done. It is so weird that, like, people say Eliza is good. She is not. I've been harping on that for a little bit, and I think I've said all I can say about the A-plot, but, like... Yeah, okay. The B-plot of Wiggles McSunbask coming back in with a whole new attitude uh it's interesting and like here here's the thing i like about that i like it because it's not it's it's not entirely the same episode again where the lesson learned didn't stick and so instead it's a different problem just with the same character And I kind of like that, where, like, it's a good litmus test of, like, how good your writing team is, where, like, you bring something back, and is it the same episode again, or is it a different episode? And for this, it's a different episode. Yeah, so... Like, the the different problem that uh, Wiggles introduces to the pet shop is is fairly interesting. 
and like it's the it's the whole like self-help guru ideology that like you know comes through every so often and it's just so so neat to see it even though it is again it's bare bones but it's so interesting I guess Ooh, I think I've said everything I needed to say here but yeah, I kind of wish more pets would return, but I'm glad that we got this one. And I guess the one at the end. So, yeah, I guess the next episode, it's a happy, 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 happy world. This episode, I think is just great. Like, it's just good and that's all there is to it. Like, I like seeing Blythe and Josh interact. I like Sunil going on this soul-searching journey. I like the pets getting lost in the city and seeing what that brings about. And it's so strung together well that it's hard not to like it. I know I came off on this episode, you know, complaining about the map or lack thereof of downtown city, but that's only because I had nothing else to really say about the episode that the episode doesn't say itself. It's just well done. It's just so well done that like like yeah i mean there are a few hiccups like peachy kind of being left there you know could have been handled a little better but i don't know how like it's it is just one of those things where it's like yeah that could be better but i don't necessarily know how or why and for what it's worth, what happens with Peachy in this episode, like, makes sense in the context of the character that we see. It is so... I mean, I guess she could have came along, but then also, uh, I guess Mrs. Trombley would freak out if she saw no one in the day camp. Although I don't know if that's actually stopped her before. But I guess it's kind of that like soft reset thing season four is going for. Where that does where those actions do have consequences where they previously might not have had. So I it is a it is a jumbled kind of like mess, but I think it works. I think uh I think it just makes sense. Like, I think everything comes together well in the episode where it, it's just so, so good. 
like I I don't know. It it is it's just good, you guys. It's just really good. Okay, so then the episode after that, Race Team Buttercream. Whoo boy. Uh, yeah, so. Hmm. This is just like out of character for the show like the the b plot i mean of like blythe's dad being worried about blythe's phone usage it just feels weirdly out of character for the show because like it, it has this whole phones are bad messaging or at least that seems apparent I'll get into that a little bit and uh yeah it, I don't I don't think that makes sense which is why I went on to the project Cyclops deviation there like, I mean, I had only, like, listened to Hello Internet, uh, like, after I'd seen this episode. So, it wasn't part of my first viewing experience with this, but, like, looking it over again, looking back at it, it, uh, it just kind of, like, came to me where maybe they're doing something like this even though project cyclops itself wasn't mentioned until afterwards it, like there could be a similar thought process in in place i don't know that's that's what i'm thinking anyways uh i mean i also did mention in a later episode it could just be a hasbro exec that's like i can't connect to my kid because of phones write an episode about that and then i don't know they 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 decided to throw them a bone because they 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 they, this guy really does want to get along with his kids i just i just realized the flaw in my logic on that one because like if i say i mean unless it was forced if it was forced, then... But then I don't know how they could get away with, like... You know, actively dissing Hasbro if a Hasbro executive has a... Yay or nay stance on it. On episodes. I don't know. Hmm. This is a... That's... Hmm. Okay, so that that line of logic has, has a few plot holes. <laughs> Cause like the the idea that like they just want to throw him a bone should probably result in an episode where no, it's not the phone's fault. You just need to you know connect better. Like if he's genuinely trying and can't, and then he's just doing that. It's but if he's just like gah phones, then I don't know why they would need to 
write this episode if the if like Hasbro has executive like yay or nay status on what episodes can and can't be produced. Huh. Maybe maybe I am overthinking this, but overthinking is part of the fun of this podcast, at least for me. So yeah, I don't I don't know. That that is a confusing plot. Now the bunny racing plot I think is uh you know, it's interesting. It's fun. It's a nice little bit of like external uh you know, world building, you know, cuz like like I say, a lot of pet stories uh are like do have uh you know, the problem of it just being in the pet shop. And this one is not. It just um it just doesn't have that problem. It it it's uh, it's a new area that the pets make. It's part of their world. And I think it fits well. I like the idea of there just being an underground racetrack. I guess it's just a regular racetrack, though. Because, like... Because, like, I don't think... It's only underground in the sense of, like, from the perspective of humans. It's just a regular racetrack that pets can go to. I mean, with with the advent of, you know, those hamster tubes that are going all around the city. Man. Man, that episode... I'm sorry, I'm going back to that episode because I just thought of something. But, like, the end of the episode is... The, the the two the two hamsters quitting thievery in order to just like root through the trash because the because like largest ever pet shop just throws away perfectly good things and boy is that if that's not a call out to like big corporations everywhere then I don't know what is but anyway let's get back to uh, the implication of uh, this episode that we're currently talking about race team buttercream uh, apparently buttercream has another personality to her that is hidden by a ringing bell it's uh, it's weird. Like, but it's not like so weird that I don't expect it. I mean, rarely anything is in this show. Like, there there's not really too much that I can say is too weird for the show. But I mean, this isn't one of them, and I did get an explanation. When that uh when that Aunt Christie account tweeted me saying she was the queen of freaking darkness that this is one of the reasons I just rolled with that because that makes this make a little more sense. 
And who knows? It could be true. Like, if if I were to ask the creators, it probably wouldn't be true. Although, to be fair, if I were to ask, like, the creators of the writing team, I'm not sure how much of an explanation I would get on anything, you know? Because, like, a lot of this podcast is me, like, looking for things that might not even be there. You know? Like, that, like, jumble that just happened about, uh, about why this episode seemingly has a boomer message might just be, like, just because they thought it was a good idea and that's that, and they didn't quite think it through. But I like to live in a world where maybe there is something there, or at least I like to indulge that idea for for you guys and for me. Because really I am... I As much as I'm doing this for other people, I am also doing this for myself. I do listen to all the episodes once they're out just to see and I don't know if you do anything creative uh like this you could uh give it a watch or a look or listen or whatever cause like there's this thing where like oh creative people don't like watching their own whatever and i don't know to me that sounds like you don't really like what you're making because like the the thing is like when i whenever i do something like this i'm doing this for me which means i know i would enjoy the product i get out of it and then you know if other people happen to like it that's that's good too but if you want to like like something make something that's like the fastest way to like something i think <laughs> but anyway uh this episode uh the b story is odd the a story is interesting uh, I'll say it's good enough for what it is, but I don't exactly like what it is. You know, it's like, um, whew, I guess this is another food metaphor, but like, it's like the best banana in the world. Like, arguably, it is the best banana in the world. I just don't like bananas all that much, you know? Like, it's that. You know? I'll agree that for what it is, it's good. It's just I don't know, I don't like what it is. Like, I again, I really hope this makes sense to see. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's move on to the next episode. On the same page... Uh, wait, nope, nope. I'm gonna back up back to Race Team Buttercream for for a little bit. Uh, cause like, 
It also has that twist at the end where one of the rabbits is uh, Josh's pet rabbit. And, uh, you know, I just, it's just one of those things where I kind of wish they uh, would do more with it. But I get that, like, with with a remaining few episodes, and, you know, I don't know how many episodes they had written before, you know, they ended the show. You know, like, before Hasbro, like, like, got the axe down, I don't know how many episodes were written or planned or whatever, and... It it does uh it it seems like a missed opportunity in the end, but like I don't know. I think they at least had outlines for everything else. And they didn't want to just like scrap all that for this when they know it's not gonna go anywhere anyways. It's it's just one of those things where it just... I think it just needed, like, one more season. Like, I think everything could have been, like, solved with one more season. Which is why I'm eventually sitting down and writing that myself. But now, we go on to On the Same Page. Now... On the same page is... I was, like, really surprised at how good On the Same Page is. Like, I don't know. Like, when I first watched it and how I remember it, I was like, oh, it's just, like, a weird girls v. boys episode. And they come together in the end... Because they're friends and stuff. But it's actually a little more complicated than that. Like, I don't know. Like, I mean, there's also, there's that bit of, like, you know, oh, we're not actually all that different, or we like what they like a little bit. But there's a little more to it than that, I think. At least for, like, the level of which the show is written at. Like, I I don't think this is, like, the most, like, complex, intricate, emotional, like, whatever thing ever. But, like, for, for what it's worth, this is deeper than I expected it to be. Because... <laughs> You know, because, like, there, there's moments where, like, you know, they admit they're wrong, but they just don't want to say it in front of people. And, like, I've definitely had those moments where I do want to feel more vindicated than, you know, admit something. I think it's, like, a good, like introductory to like more complex uh you know divisions between gender than just you know 
we're this way, we're that way, whatever. And it is something, you know, something to think about. Uh, and then there's Blythe's story where she feels like she might uh, lose the ability to speak to animals. And she freaks out about this, understandably so, because, like, I don't know, it feels like a very important part to her, despite it not being for most of her life. But it's for a lot of new, important moments in her life. And, I don't know, losing that and losing, like, friends and the your connection to people and... Well, people or pets or whatever. And, uh, you know, be, being lonely all the time like you used to be is not something you want. And, uh, like, I think they just explore that very, very well. And I like at the at, like, I like throughout the episode that, like, Blythe, uh, like, is worried about how she can solve the pet's problems if she can't speak to the pets. So she's worried about that. But eventually the pets just fix their own problems anyway. And then once Blythe's issue is resolved, everything's back to normal. I think that's a nice touch. That, like, the thing Blythe was worrying about with, you know, fixing pet issues, like, isn't that much of an issue because like <laughs> it it uh it it's it solved itself so really Blythe was doing this for herself more than anything which i think is like a like a good way to show weakness in a character where like it's it, it's subtle, but it is there, and I love it. Well, I love the like, you know, the 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 complexity of it. I don't I don't like the fact that Blythe is lonely and has some dependency issues. <laughs> that I don't love that. That that uh, she needs to go to a therapist for that. But like, I mean. As things are with her being able to speak to the pets whenever she wants or, you know, her friends uh, at other times or even her dad. Like, that's another thing. She does speak to her dad eventually about this. And it it is, it's nice that, like, Blythe does have a circle of friends who she loves and they love her back. It's really, really nice to see that. And as long as that works, maybe everything's fine, but maybe go to a therapist, like, as well. Because, like, it can be helpful. Yeah, I don't know. This episode's just, uh... This episode's just good. And we also get some Young Me and Nutmeg stuff at the beginning. Hmm. 
It's just really good, though. Because, like... Yeah, and as I said, it's better than I expected it to be. And I... You know... That's all there is to say about that. So then now... Now we go on to paint a picture. It lasts longer. Which... Hmm. Hmm. Uh. I don't. Okay. Like this. This show makes a lot of weird references. The reason I say this is the weirdest one they could make is that it's a movie from like two years before this episode was made. It's not a kids movie. Big Eyes is like PG-13. It's like based on real life events. It's like I I actually haven't seen Big Eyes, but like I I read it, I just read a synopsis and I sort of know what it's about before that enough to recognize it, but I, it does seem very like complicated. I don't think this is like like you know that like the the core premise is simple like guy steals uh art from person he's married to and presents it as his own so they just they just get into like that but i think like the nitty gritty might be a little a little more complicated than that where like they even take it to court from what i've read on the uh you know, synopsis. I don't... It's based on real events. So, like, whatever spoilers there are are spoilers for real life, which really just, like, goes goes into goes into the whole, like, spoilers aren't all that are cracked up to be. At least in my mind. But anyways... Yeah, this this episode, I don't know. Like, there's a lot to it that, like, like it's it's very much is a reference to Big Eyes because they they go out of their way not to say Big Eyes or Big. They go out of their way not to say Big, and it also involves like. Blythe saying she painted something when she didn't. I don't get why they did this, though. Like, I mean, okay, like, some of the other stuff they've parodied might also not be for kids. Like, Rear Window, probably not for kids. But Rear Window's also a long enough time ago where, like, like a kid might not entirely get it. You know? Like the like they they see the picture in this episode and they could probably make the connection like of like the 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 movie cover they see walking past the DVD section in Walmart when they're looking for like Frozen or something like they could see that <laughs> You could see that. I don't know, like the episode itself is written fine enough. Like I like Minka. Like 
you know, trying to become a better artist or trying to branch out, but it not satisfying her. And then her finding her own path at the end is nice. I mean, despite it going against what I just said about make art for you. But in a way, it is kind of for her because she's doing it to see the smiles on everyone else. So if they're enjoying it, there there is something to enjoy f- for her to enjoy, you know? That's that's neat. Uh and you know, the twins like pressuring Blythe into making them something. Oh yeah. No, I just remembered Th- that weird line where the biscuits don't know slavery is a crime. That's okay. I know I have a tendency to overthink things, but that's not overthinking. That's the first thing that I thought of because they say we will give you Francois and Blythe says you can't do that. And they say we can't. That's messed up. That is messed up. Like, no matter how you look at it, that's messed up. And then, like, in the end, it's for Grand Grand Lorraine. They're doing a genuinely nice thing, but they have the weirdest, like, interaction I think I've seen. Where they don't know slavery is illegal. (laughs) Where you can't just buy and sell people. (laughs) Holy moly. Oh boy. Like, this episode, like, just jumbles the mind. It's like... I don't don't know how you come up with this. I, I don't know, like what the writing process is for this episode. It's like, hey, I just saw big eyes. Now I have to go to work? Or I saw big eyes last night. Now I'm at my job writing, you know, manuscripts for children's television. Wait, hold on. No, I'm gonna... I'm gonna something just occurred to me. Uh, Wikipedia. Okay, so my thought, my thought is that I just had, is that maybe the writer was also writing something else at the time, and they were tired. So may maybe they thought they were writing on a different show, which makes the um. I mean, okay, the writer is Roger Eschbacher. So, he's a prolific writer. He does a lot of, like, writing stuff. Like, I don't even have to go to his Wikipedia page. Well, I mean, I've been there before. That's why I know, so I don't have to go to it again. But, yeah, no, he he does a lot of writing things. So, maybe? Maybe there's a bit of confusion there? I mean, maybe they got tired and just thought, 
they were working on something else. I don't. <laughs> oh, that that would be something. But yeah, no, like as it stands, this is this is an odd entry in the series. Like, okay, remember when I said like there's not a lot that's too odd for me? This is like one of those things that's a little too odd for me. Just just to put this into perspective. Rabbit with a dual personality that changes every time a bell rings is not too weird for this show. A parody of Big Eyes is too weird for this show. That's, like, you would think those might be reversed. But also, the show itself is, like, topsy-turvy in a way that I can't quite make out, even after, like, doing this. But I think that's the point of the podcast, is the show... Everything about this show is not entirely what it seems. I think uh, I think that's that's uh, enough for this episode. Let's go on to another weird reference in "Bake It Till You Make It," where Blythe's cousin is a Bobby Flay parody. <laughs> oh man, I don't. I don't know why. <laughs> but like okay, let's let's slide this back. Bobby Flay parody. Not too weird for this show. Just the right amount of weird for this show. It's it's downright delightful to see like like Bobby Flay just here. <laughs> it's it's just funny. It's just funny to see Bobby Destructo just like come in and be Bobby Destructo. Like, this entire episode is just fun. Okay? It's just fun. Where, like... <laughs> like, the A-plot is Aunt Christy can't keep up with, like, you know, a, a Japanese candy truck that's, like, parked right outside instead of, you know, moving around. Although I guess you have to, like, park somewhere in order to, like, you know, sell anything. But, I mean, that's the advantage of being on four wheels is that you can just park different places and, you know, move move different things. Although I guess there's also the idea of repeat customers, which is, like, good thing but if like the, if, if your stuff is good enough like people will find you i guess is the thing it's uh business is complicated okay and so like Blythe calls in bobby destructo to hell <laughs> and and it's it's very very fun and then the b plot of <laughs> you know Trying to trick Sunil's parents into thinking he's a doctor. Which, like, makes no sense on any level. But it's still fun at the end. And I guess that's sort of what this show's all about. 
Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why Sunil's parents would think he's a doctor. Aside from the seemingly <laughs> racist reason of, you know, they're Indian. And they won't want that, but that's, you know... Uh, yeah, that's that's not great. I guess that did take the wind out of my sails. But that that aside, we got this weird, you know, house-inspired thing, and they they say Doctor Abode, so it is directly house. It's it's so. I don't know what this is. It's... uh, Oh, boy. It's, like... Weird. It is weird, but it's fun, aside from the one, you know, not fun part. The part that's a little bit racist. But, like... Yeah, this whole episode's just fun. It's just good fun. And, you know, I don't think you could ask any more of uh, this episode. It just, it's just fun. Alright, so now we're up to LPS the musical. This also has a lot going for it. Like, there's, like, Mrs. Tombley and her band reuniting, and her worrying about that. And then there's a moose who can sing, but no one besides Blythe can hear the singing because she's part Canadian. And so, I mean, I guess that's the entirety of the plot, But there's a lot in that, you know? Like, more so the moose thing, but, like, Mrs. Trombley, you know, being, you know, multi-talented and worried about, you know, everything else going on in her life while also wanting to do this. I don't know. I, I like Mrs. T as a character. She's, like... She's so dynamic, is the thing. She's like, there's a lot to her, but none of it's contradictory. Like, everything about her seems to make sense, despite the fact that if you were to just lay it all out in simple terms, it wouldn't normally. Like, she invented a, a a weird martial art that people take seriously. Again, here, Kung Fu Quilting. I think it's a little too weird for the show. Or, well, not Kung Fu Quilting in and of itself, but the, the degree in which Kung Fu Quilting is taken seriously. That that part's weird. So she invented a weird martial art that people take seriously. She runs a pet shop and is a descendant of a pet shop owner who had, you know, seemingly rare animals in, like, 1800s America. Uh, 
She she was in a band in college. Uh, Her sister lives in Antarctica. Uh, She likes big, burly men. (laughs) Uh, I don't know, like... There's there's a lot she she's a savvy businesswoman too. Like she's not like oh whatever. She she does actively like, you know, business. She's good at that. She's friends with the zoological expert. Mrs. Twombly is a delight. Mrs. Twombly is amazing. Anyway, the moose plot, which is most of the episode, I think. Like, the moose plot, like, it's good. It's not the best, but it's good. And I like it. And it doesn't, it makes sense, except for, except for the Canada jeans thing. That part we'll get to that part later, but as as for the rest of the episode, you know, Moose is nervous and shy and, you know, is a bit disruptive until they can get her stick from the sanctuary. Uh so they go and do that and they meet this other moose. That really likes the first moose. So they both go there and the moose... Moose's... Moose... The two moose... Oh, boy. Uh, plural for... Yeah. Plural for moose is just... Okay, the two moose like fall in love with each other. And yeah, that's a good story. The weird Canada jeans thing. I don't know what to say about this. Weirdly enough, I think it's on the border of too weird and not too weird for the show. Like, this is something I can believe to some extent. It, I would have to jump through hoops to believe that. But I believe that more than anyone, even in this universe, taking Kung Fu quilting as seriously as uh, they seem to. It's... I don't know what it is about Kung Fu quilting either. Like, it is just the fact that it's taken as seriously as it is. It's it is just that that bothers me about this. Huh. Hmm. Yeah, okay. But overall pretty solid episode. Uh, you know, just that's it. That's that's the episode. It's uh it's pretty solid. It's good all around. Um, so, now we go on to Seeing Red, the penultimate episode of the show. So, 
here's the thing. To get into it a little bit more, like, here, like the another difference I think I would point out is that I think this episode would be worse if I believed if it it was written contemporary to everything else season four. Like, um, guilt tripping, I don't, like, that could be incidental. There's nothing really too specific that puts it in season one. It's just very incidental and just, like, a few things that, like, you know, it has the feel of a season one episode. This is a season one episode. Just rewritten, like, a little bit to make it sort of make sense in season four. And at that place, I think it's fine. But you have to acknowledge that this was not written, like, contemporary to all of season four. Or... Even, like, some of season two. Like, maybe some of the later stuff. Like, I think the hardest, the like, the most generous point I would, like, put it at is, like, I don't know. Somewhere in the first half of season two. Like, that that's where I would put, put it at my most generous. Like... Uh, actual timeline was and weirdly enough uh i recently saw another episode of something else that did this and it's uh this shows you know sister show older sister show that steals the spotlight my little pony friendship is magic the season nine episode uh, growing up is hard to do. Feels very much like it belongs in season one or two of the show. Not in tone, but in writing. In its writing. So, I guess this is a thing that happens with Hasbro shows if they go on long enough. Where, like, some old manuscript somewhere is shelved for a bit. And then, like, when the last season comes, they dig it up and say, Oh, I really like this. Let's do this. Because it's the last season. And I really liked it, but it never really got through. And, hey, it saves us some time. And we're still getting paid for this. So, let's, let's, uh, let's rework it. And, you know, just go for it. And I will agree, both of those episodes are fine. Both uh, Growing Up is Hard to Do and Seeing Red are fine if you place them in the right context. The problem is this is the penultimate uh, episode of the show and it feels very much like it belongs very earlier. Where, like, even some parts of it, like, don't make sense with some of the you know, characterization or character development that has happened, like, within the show. 
And, like, yeah, I will say, like, if it was written at the time, I will, like, say this might be, like, lower on the list for, you know, the episodes I like of the show. Uh, This would definitely, like, sink it lower if it was written alongside other season four episodes. Because, like, then it is just bad. But I give the, like, opt-out. I am glass half full when it comes to things, you know? So I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt where it's like, hey, I understand you really liked this episode. And you know what? It's a good episode. I like Penny Ling episodes, and this is a Penny Ling episode. And I like Roger episodes, and this is very much a Roger episode, too. And, like, both stories, like, meeting up together at the end is nice. And I like how, uh, you know, like, there's this new panda that helps Penny get a little bit, like, tougher and believe in herself more. But at the end of the day, she's still the Penny we know and love. And then I like how uh, Roger doesn't, uh, you know, want Blythe to do what he thinks she's doing, but also sort of respects it in a way. But, like, it... It is, uh... It, it is hard, you know? Because, like, he, he's feeling the worst when it's not the worst. And he wants to be a good dad, but he also doesn't want her to leave. It's... It's really interesting and fun, and I get that, and I get it. I get it. This is a good premise but all that Penny Ling stuff was things that was like dealt with before like actually to the point where like we know it shouldn't just be that you know like and I, I'm also lenient on that, that those aspects too like I just mentioned My Little Pony. I'm, like... I'm there for it when, like, Fluttershy is still a bit shy, you know, ten times over, despite, you know, like, getting over it. Because, like, I see the intricacies in play. Like, it's, like, different forms of, like, social anxiety that, like, Fluttershy has to come over and do... And it can be hard in those instances. And, like, Penny being sort of a similar character, but sort of different. Um, you know, like, it isn't hard to imagine that, like, she needs to get over some things, like, again and again to, like, actually get over them, but, like, I don't know, this feels... 
it feels it feels like dated, you know? Like I think we've seen the points where like Penny has got has actually gotten over these things and then like we're reverting back. I don't know. That's that that's that's my take on uh on all of this. So overall it's a fine enough episode just in the wrong place. And if it was supposed to be in the right place then no, it's not. But I give them the benefit of the doubt on this one. So um yeah, then I went back to the first episode again. And uh honestly, it's still really good. Like I mean, I don't think I'm going to spend too much time on this one, but who knows. I'm on a I'm on a bend. I'm on a tear. Let's see where this goes. Like since it's like the beginning, like we 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 get good snippets of who everyone is and we get a sense of their characters right away it 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 establishes like everything it needs to right off the bat and it does it pretty well like i mean so by the end of this episode, I think we know everything we need to know to get us started on this show. And that's everything from, like, character dynamics to story dynamics to, uh, like, you know, the sense of humor it has. Like, it, it all, like, does it really well. It 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 goes and does everything that it needs to. It it also uh you know keeps it fairly open where like we know what this world is. Now let's play in it. And I think this is just like a good example of like a like a pilot episode or or a first episode of something. You know? It... It is just fun and all around... Good. Yeah, I th- I think that's it. I, I went more specific on it back in... Uh, back when I went over season one. But, like... Again... It's nice to just come back... You know, understand your your beginnings. You know, like it even like establishes things that like we might not like know about. Like it has Aunt Christie in in the first episode, and it also has like an instrumental version of Crush, despite like Josh Sharp not even being a blip on the radar at this point. Like. It's really good at, like, you know, explaining itself. It it, it explains everything that it, it needs to 
And so we move on to the last episode of the series. The Littlest Pet Street. And I will be honest, I also liked this episode more than I thought I did. But it's just all right in the end. It's not a catastrophe. It's not a triumph. It's just a decent episode of the show. Like, I don't know. That's that's the whole problem I'm having with this. Because, like... Uh, so, as funny as it is at times... Uh, and, like, as... Well-written and intricate as the plot can be... And... You know, as, like, heartfelt as some of these, you know, moments are, I don't think it does enough. And it wouldn't be too much of a problem if they didn't line up all those shots at the beginning of the season where they promised us a Biscuit Redemption arc that we didn't get. They, like, promised us something more concrete with Josh and Blythe, which we didn't get. They promised us something with, like, Blythe and her mother, which we sort of got. And we, like, everything about this episode would be better if, like, the writing team didn't think... Hey, let's uh, let, let's 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 get serious. Let's let's play ball. Let's play for keeps. And um, and then just like lost down in the end. They 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 wanted to swing for the fences, but everything they hit was like, you know, it it just like they 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 got to third, and it was like two outs. And they and they needed a grand slam, but they just didn't. They just didn't get it. You know, it's it's only a disappointment from the perspective of this show was just canceled too early or too late, depending on how you want to look at it. If like, okay, you know, let's let's back up a little bit. Let's back up. If um. If uh, it's the pet fest was the last episode of the the series, and that's it, and then there's no more Littlest Pet Shop after that, uh, and like season four didn't happen, I think that would have been a fine place to end the show because it, it's big, it does something great, and you know we 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 get something out of it. But because, like, they thought they could spread their wings only for it to be clipped by the Hasbro executives, it, it, it just, this episode just kind of peters out. It just, I don't know. I wanted more from this episode, and I didn't get it, is my biggest problem with uh, the episode. Like, it is funny. It is 
pretty well written. It has some nice moments. But I can't let go of the fact that this is the final episode and we didn't get everything we were promised. And we were promised a fair amount. And, yeah, I'm not saying this is bad in any sense. I guess I'm just disappointed, is all. That's the... That's the best way to describe it. It's just... I want to like this episode more than I do. But I don't know. It's it just it just it isn't uh Man, that's a that's a bit of a downer. So I mean I mean, I did say this earlier or whatever. Because Hasbro didn't want to give this a season five, I will. I'm going to write out episodes later. Like, I know know I've told you this. This is something I've thought of doing, and I wanted to do it for a bit, and then I committed to it, but I didn't commit to it right away. So... I am planning on like writing a a 25 episode season which I mean I know seasons are usually 26 but they also come with one two parter that just like you know whatever and I am going to uh work on like solving what I want out of this like if Littlest Pet Street isn't the end, and I am not going to let it be the end, it's a pretty good episode. It's a pretty solid episode. And I am not going to let it end there. <laughs> Man, I, just, I segued into talking about that because I didn't want the podcast to end like that. And I tied it back. But yeah... I will say, like, after, after this is the end of the podcast. I am, oh, I am way over two hours at this point. Over two and a half even. Like, I haven't edited, uh, you know, this portion. So I'm at about, like, 240. But I've done some editing before. So whatever editing I'm going to do, I might drop below 240 where I'm at currently. But I think it'll still go over to 40 if I keep talking like this. So that'll be it for this episode of the Littlest Petcast. Be sure to leave your comments and reviews on Shout Engine, on Apple Podcasts, on the Google Play Store, and wherever else RSS feeds go. When, um, oof, when, when they like food metaphors. And be sure to tune in next time for more bonus content. Not season five, 
that's going to be a little further down the way, but I'm going to have more bonus content after this. You heard me, right? After this, it's going to be some like some more bonus content, and then maybe a little bit of a break, and then I'll get into Season 5. But I am doing it. I am doing it, and I'm going to keep myself to it. It's just it's going to take time. Because, like, you know, life is complicated, and I want, you know, things to, you know, happen. But I do want to do this, and I'm committing to it. Thank you for listening. I will see you next time on the Lilith's Petcast. Take care.